As we enter into this new series, this 21 days of prayer, this idea of follow me, this call of Jesus, uh, I want to introduce you to someone that's been significant in my life, though I don't know him personally. His name's Phil Kagey. Phil is really a virtuoso guitar player, started in the 60s and the 70s, has had a very long career playing on his own. Uh, this, I think, was the bad dressing era. I love that, those green pants and that blue shirt. That's just frightening. If I have pictures like that, I throw them away. He's had big moments. In fact, he's actually played uh, with Paul McCartney at one point in time. Phil really is a virtuoso guitarist, and I discovered him in my mid-teen years. And as a player, I started following him every way I could. And I want you just to have a little taste of who it is, although I, can't, I couldn't find good video clips from the early days when he was shredding and all that. He's, he's worked on other things on his own and now is quite an acoustic player too. And I'm just going to show you a, a short clip of an end of a song that he does. Uh, you'll see some things he does with a looper that kind of give building, but listen to the end, because at the end he does a little, he does some shred, which is always the part I find most enjoyable. Take a look at Phil now. appreciate how great that is because it's amazing. I could watch that like 80 times. I, I, uh, when I first discovered uh, Phil as a guitar player, I started finding places he was playing. And one of the early ones was I played in Holland at their Civic Center. And I was in high school. I convinced my parents to let me just go to Holland. My sister was in college there, so I stayed at her place. I got to the um, Civic Center about four hours earlier and was there before even I think the road crew was there. That's how sad I am. Uh, but Phil showed up, and I got some time with him because he's looking like, why are you here? Because uh, I think you're great. So I got to meet him and spend a little bit of time getting to know him, though he wouldn't remember me from anything. And what followed was I began to follow him for years. Saw lots of concerts, got lessened things, learned how to play what he played, just really got into his influence as a musician. And it really, I would just say I followed him. That's what I did. And when it really hit me that I had more than just admired him was uh, as my kids grew up, I took one of my kids to see him at a, a very unique uh, concert. And when it was over, my son turned to me and he said, man, I hear so much of him in your playing. Which first of all is a great thing when you hear virtuoso. Like he didn't say, I hear you trying to play. At least it sounded positive. But what hit me was I really have wanted to be like this. It's, it's impacted my life. I now follow him and am impacted by him, not learning about him, but becoming like, seeking to do what he did and how he did it. Now, I tell you that because we're beginning this 21 days of prayer, and we've titled it Follow Me. And, and I'll tell you this really simply, is that the words in the statement, follow me or they followed him, is just smattered throughout each account of Jesus' life. 
each account of his life, death, and resurrection. The four that we have in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we call them Gospels. It's a theme that goes on, and there are different aspects to it. So we're going to look today at the invitation. There's a place where he invites someone to follow him. But next week, because it's a theme, we're going to look at those places that people were drawn to follow him by the what he did and how awestruck they were by it. The week after that, we're going to very simply look at those places when he gave them things that were difficult and they stopped following and said, maybe not if this is the case. And then the last week, we're actually going to look at one of his followers and kind of watch the up and downs of life and just hopefully connect to that. So I wanted to give you a picture of where we're going, but where we're going to begin is where Jesus does in this invitation. We're looking specifically at Matthew's account, though there's several that discuss it. And in Matthew 4, it begins this way, that Jesus is walking beside the Sea of Galilee. Now, not that you need to see it, but having been there, it's one of those pictures that when you're there, it always adds to me to the scripture when you can kind of picture where it was. This is literally the Sea of Galilee. These are the shores of Galilee, probably even the very area that he was. It, it bends around the corner, and if you're in, in this area, it's not a sea like you think of where you can't see land. You can see land all the way around it, though it's a large body of water. So I just want you to get a picture for this. And when I read this, I, I maybe picture with me. If you're like me, you might even picture and go, well, what do you think Jesus was thinking about when he was walking on the shores? I always wonder, was he aware? Was he cognizant? Was everything strategic and he was moving exactly where he wanted and how he wanted? Was he simply communing with the Father and talking to God, his Father, as he was walking? Was he just enjoying the beauty of the lake and listening to the sounds of it? Maybe even thinking, you know, I helped make this baby. I called it into being. You just wonder, what was he doing? What was he thinking about? And I want to back up to help us have some context for why he's here and why it matters. So if you go back to the beginning of chapter 4, we actually find Jesus being taken by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness where he will go through 40 days of struggle and temptation ultimately as the devil will come to him and tempt him. And, And I want us to get a picture of what this is because while we won't go through all of them, Every temptation, the devil says, if you're really the son of God, prove it, is what he's basically saying. And he gives him these things he should do that he shouldn't. And each time Jesus responds out of identity with who the father is and really speaks scripture back to the temptation. But what I want you to picture is Jesus begins, before his ministry starts, so rooted in who he is that all those things that come don't matter. There's nothing to gain. There's nothing to prove. There's nothing to lose. Hey, if you really are, I want you to picture. So he's this foundation of how ministry will begin starts there. Now it tells us after that that he goes out and preaches that he's actually in an area of Nazareth. And it says then he leaves and goes to another area, which is here. And it tells us why in a few verses before. It says this. This is why he went here. He went here to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, though we don't refer to these in the New Testament, they relate to the sons of Israel and the different areas they were given, and that's this very area that Jesus is going to. That there's a prophecy Isaiah gave 500 years before that's this area, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. These people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And very simply, the prophecy is this. When Messiah comes, crazily, he's going to begin things in Galilee by the sea. Now, I want you to picture 
All of history is about to change. Israel is under incredible Roman oppression. They've been waiting forever to have their land back and their life back. And this passage says, listen, I'm going to bring light to the darkness. To those people living in this oppression, I'm going to bring light. Now, I want you to pay attention to how he brings it, because that's the crazy part. If you were making a decision, I don't think you'd do what he does here. He sees two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They're casting a net into the lake because they're fishermen. Come follow me. Three words. That's all he says. Come follow me. Jesus says it, and he says, I'm going to send you out to fish for people. At once, immediately, not with hesitation, they leave their nets and they followed him. Now, there's lots of levels to understand of this and for us to engage with this today. The first, very simply, is understanding that Jesus is a rabbi, that he's part of the Jewish culture, that rabbis had disciples, people that followed them, and that was really the way they looked at it. They were following their rabbi. They didn't follow them in a sense that they sat and just listened to teaching. They followed them, literally meaning they walk where they walk, they walk like they walk, they become caring about what they care about, and their purposes become what their teacher's purposes were. In other words, they become an echo, if you will, of who they follow crazy how it's supposed to be. That's a picture already for us, something that we're going to come back to. But the other piece of this that's so powerful to me is in the rabbinic tradition, it's a bit like an education. So you, you pass at one level to another to another, and I won't even get into the Hebraic names of them right now. But as you move to other, it's like a school. You do well enough, you go to the next level. You do well enough, you go to the next level. And when you get to this high level, in that environment, rabbis come there and in this kind of schooling environment, in these areas of religious study, even places like synagogues, they're around it, and you kind of pitch to be their disciple. And then if they want to accept you, they invite you to follow them. Now, here's what's crazy. Jesus is walking on a seashore looking for people that never made the cut. And he says, come. He, he just come. Come and follow me. Come and be my disciple. You know, I think we've made the mistake of thinking that people who really are zealous for Jesus or religious leaders are people that have well educated, that have certain pedigrees or even certain ways of understanding. And what Jesus says is, every one of you are made to be my disciple. It's an invitation to us, even as we enter this season of prayer, come. You want to know what come means? It literally just means come close. Come be with me. But the other part, I think, is the other the side that's even harder sometimes, which is follow me. Go where I go, not where you think I should go. Now, make no mistake. If we're honest, the way we pursue it is maybe I'll even come to you, and maybe I'll even discover who you are, but then you join me where I'm going. Because I have decided how things should go, and I have decided what's best, and you need to follow. And we even, those of us who are learned in scriptures, find a way to take scripture and make it move to where we want it to go. And Jesus' invitation is, oh, no, no, come. Come and follow me. Walk in my steps. Become like who I am. Live in a very different way. Live in a new way for what I have for you. Because I have something so much better than you could ever imagine. He comes right where we are. I love it that he comes in their very workplace because it's in their workplace 
that they're living. He's inviting them to be part of a new life, to live life differently. Let me picture it for you this way. I didn't tell you all about Phil Kagey. Some of you may know it, some may have no understanding or maybe even never heard of him, but Phil actually is a Christian and had a very transforming event in his life at a young age that shifted how he lived. And some 30 years after he got into the industry and what he was doing as a business related to his Christianity and even his musicianship, he could ask questions. Are you a Christian musician or a musician who happens to be a Christian? You know, what about all you gave up? Because it was a lot of speculation. You could be the greatest ever if you'd have just played out in the marketplace. So in this interview, you get to hear a little bit. It's a short interview, but you hear a little bit of his response to those things, which I think gives us a picture of answering the call of Jesus. So take a look. Did you consider yourself a Christian musician or just a musician who happened to be a Christian? That's kind of a loaded question. Uh, next. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. What else do you want to talk no, about? No. Uh, Actually, the way I feel about it was I, I, I was just a 100% musician, and then when I was born again, I, I belonged to Jesus before I belonged to my guitar. Yeah, a heart to God, a hand to man, we saved the soul. As I feel, I mean, uh, you, you can have Jesus without music and be, be at peace, but you can, conversely, if you have music without the Lord, mm -hmm. your life, in my opinion, goes nowhere. Some have said to Phil that he could have been really famous, but he followed Christ with his music. And Phil's response to that? But that's not necessarily true, you know. I think... That, that, that's an illusion to say, well, I could have been something. I, I think I became somebody because of Jesus. Yeah. And I have no regrets for the commitment I made to surrendering my life to the Lord. keeping that lick in at the end. It was so amazing. I loved what he said. I became someone because of Jesus. Sometimes we think, what do I give up? Or we think, I need Jesus in order to have. I'm 100% his. You know, I, I get, for example, that we are all people who live in America. We're Americans. But guess what? We are 100% Jesus. There'll be different views on how we live life. And when we start to say it's got to be this in Jesus, we've stepped away from just following. God, whatever you want, I'll follow you. You know, it's the same thing. We put things in. You're, maybe you're a doctor or a nurse or a PA. It's great that you do that, but you're his. <laughs> you're actually his. What would it be like to follow him in your practice? What's it like to follow him in your marriage and in your family, in your singleness, in your raising kids as a divorced person alone, in your retirement? What's it like to follow him as a teacher? What's it like to follow him as a brother or a sister in Christ? I think we somehow, in the midst of what we're living in right now, have added and extracted things for Jesus and said, oh, no, no, it has to be this way. And, and here's the crazy part. You know when he invited the disciples to follow him? 
they had no idea what they were going to do? You realize that, don't you? Do you think any of them understood, hey, you're going to watch me do amazing miracles. By the way, you're also going to watch me die. And by the way, you're going to watch me rise. And then you're going to go help other people, but it's going to be really difficult and oppressive and hard. Wait, wait, we thought you were coming to bring light. I was, but it's not light the way you thought it would be. He never went to Rome. He never went to the places of power. He changed the world from the inside out with people that said, I'm coming and I'll follow you. I'll go where you go and how you go. That's how I'm going to live. It's crazy because I have every reason I know this is what we need today. Because we are so, have so lost sight of how we love each other in this incredibly divided world we're in. And I think Jesus becomes a transaction. Oh yeah, I'll come to you. And, and yeah, I'll follow you as long as it's where I think you should be going. Because I've kind of decided where you're going. It's got to be this. If it's not this, we won't be okay. Do you have any idea how wrong the disciples were or where they thought Jesus would go or what he would do? Could it not be possible you and I do too? It's funny, you know, I, I'm 56 and I followed Jesus for a long time. And sometimes when I, I'm talking about something, I'm thinking people are gonna tune me out because they're going, I, I decided to follow him years ago. And here's what I'm finding. I'm still learning what it means to come to him and to follow him. It is not something you check off the list and then you just do. It is one step at a time, one day at a time. And I find he's continually inviting me to follow him in ways I didn't expect. And I think the invitation for us today is be his holy. Start letting go of all the things you've added to him and said, it has to be this way. What about those? And I hate them and this is awful. And I mean, my goodness, we're fighting within our own families. We're fighting with our own churches. We spend more time reading about what's going on in the world around us than we would ever spend coming to him. We are students of our culture and periodic admirers of Jesus. And the invitation's going, you know what? You're gonna have to lay down things you didn't think you had to. They left everything. And I really believe Jesus is inviting us to something much deeper. Even as we go into a new year, even as we go into 21 days, I think he's saying very simply, come, get close to me and then follow me one step at a time. One ongoing way of surrender. Could it be that you and I have overinflated things for him and he just is shaking things up for us? To go, you know what, I know you thought this mattered, and I'm not even saying they're not important things, but this, let go of it. It's crazy when you think about how the world changed through Jesus' resurrection. I mean, they blasted through Asia Minor with no authority and no power and no influence. They just blasted through because it was true, and they saw the power of God in the people of God, loving people in ways no one else could. Change from the inside out. Maybe we should turn off our TVs and all that's going on and stop looking at our feeds and stop even looking at who's liking what so I can be mad at them now and decide we're going to follow him, just him. Because I'm telling you, if we get his character right, we'll look at people differently. This is what I've discovered. Whenever I get into a win-lose in these situations, I've lost his perspective. Because I just don't think Jesus goes win-lose. He just goes, listen, I'm moving like it or not. Not going to be the way you think it is. 
It's not going to deter me no matter if it appears I win or lose. I'm just going to keep moving ahead. I move ahead by loving people, by being character-driven, by being led by his spirit, by looking to him for everything and ignoring the rest. I didn't get this wound up last time, but I'm wound up this time, so sorry. But I don't know, this is just like, it breaks me inside. You know, I walk this room, even this, it's not all of our campuses, but I'm in this one right now. I walk this room praying for you all the time. And my prayer is that your hearts will tenderize in this crud going on. And you'll hear the very call of God, come, come on, follow me. Stop thinking that's me with all that's going on around me. Stop fighting about whether you think this is me or that's me. This is me. Follow me in how I live and love, and it will not be what you think it is. You know, as we enter these 21 days, uh, we have a, you can look at this when, when after the service, allshores.org slash 21. We're going to begin prayer times tomorrow morning, so I'll just be leading at least this week uh, from 7 to 7.30. We'll have it on a, there'll be a Zoom link online later, and it'll be on Facebook Live, and we'll have it there so you can watch it later if you can't do it then. All I'm doing is guiding you through a half hour to be close to him. We'll have some things that we think everyone should have as a part of their daily routine. We'll give you an idea of what to do at the end of the day. All I'm asking you is to make a pursuit of him in these 21 days. There might be things you even put down to pray. We're going to give you some guides that will help you along the way on your own time beyond it. But what would it be like if you and I said, you know what, over these 21 days, I'm just going to come towards him and I'm going to follow so every morning, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 7.30, it'll go on, whether on Zoom or on Facebook Premiere, I guess it will be. Then on Saturdays, we'll have the same thing, but from 9 to 9.45 in the morning, we'll do the half hour, and then uh, we're going to guide you through communion to finish up our time together, because we think taking and participating in that wonderful sacrament can be really meaningful to come near and be drawn. And what we're asking is, God, not just reveal yourself, but show me how to walk. Show me how to walk differently and trust you in this. And we want, you know, there's resources beyond that. Our students will be doing this as well. They're going to have the same, uh, we have a scriptural plan that we will put out each day for that day. We also have these family guides that are online, and there's some here in the prayer guide. is back in the back of the room, too, if you can't get it online, uh, that are very simply to help you as families engage in some kind of prayer together. I think you should grab a few things and go, you know, I'm going to ask God to move in this area. Just make sure if it's something you think should happen that you hold loosely to it. What we say is God do this, and then we're mad he doesn't do this. But that's not following, that's telling him how to do this. God, we follow you, we trust you, whatever it means. We want to encourage you in this. Now, I want to give you one last picture as this passage goes on, just because it's another thing we tend to miss. So in, in here it goes on. He says, going on from there, he sees another two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were all in a boat with their father Zebedee uh, and preparing their nets. Jesus calls to them, and immediately, without hesitation, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, any of you who are a dad probably don't like this passage. I know I don't. I kind of felt like the two guys before and this dad must have gotten together and were like, dude, what happened to our kids? They were working with us yesterday. They left the business. But can you imagine those fathers 10 years later? Hey, that's my boy. My boy started following Jesus, and look what he's doing now. He's changing the world just by loving people and living in a new way and inviting people to give it all up for him. He's going through misery, and somehow the world is being changed. That's my boy. 
I mean, come on, isn't that amazing? And by the way, God did provide for those fathers. There were other people working on the boats. I didn't want you to think you just went, good luck. But the other part I want you to see is this is multiple disciples. We've just seen four already come. So when we hear, come follow me, make no mistake, it's together. Like we're inviting you to participate on your own and we'll have some ways, but we also want to remind you, we are disciples together of Jesus, not just alone. We're meant to be in community. That's one of the heartaches for me is our community starts to dissipate in all this argument and rhetoric that's going on between us because we have made blood issues, those things that are not and that will never resolve. When God's inviting us to go, listen, be my body, be different, love differently. Why do you think Jesus said they'll know us by our love? Because we actually treat each other differently, which in turn we then treat people outside of faith differently. Because we love like him. But we do it together. The reason I wanted to remind you of that is just to begin to think about how you might engage with others in these 21 days. And then finally, out of it, we will engage in group life in February. So we'll be inviting you to engage in a group and I want to make no mistake, part of being in the church and being a disciple is doing it together. Come follow me together, one step at a time. Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray specifically for those with us today that maybe are not yet followers of Jesus. And I pray they'd even hear the invitation, come follow me. God, I thank you that your disciples didn't know who you were when they followed so I'm just praying for those that might be interested that they might take steps towards you even in their uncertainty rather than saying I have to get there first and then follow. God, I pray as well for all of us who follow you that we would not go been there, done that, but we would hear your voice inviting us in a new way in this season to come near and to walk with. God, that we would be people that say we are 100% yours that we are people that say we are changed and we are somebody because of you, not because of us. God, I am asking as we enter into this season of prayer that you would do a new work in us collectively and individually, that you would shake loose these other things we've attached to and you would help us to be yours and yours alone. I ask for this in your name, amen.